I remember I was freaking out because I was like, now what? <laughs> I was like a battered wife. I was like, oh, I'm going to pay for this later. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, Seth's going to bottle this up and take it out on me one day. Right at the dinner table. <laughs> Alright, welcome to Tales from the Ditch with uh, Sean Allen Moss, Seth Wildshoot, I don't get my middle name, that's not your dang business. Ryan Cox is back on the show. Ryan, hey. it's good to have you. He uh, Thank you, gentlemen. He was back on here. When I think of him, I think of donuts, lifting weights, <laughs> and kicking people when they're down. Because those are some of my <laughs> memories with Ryan. Allegedly. Um, allegedly. Yeah, you can't prove it. What, are you a cop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how you doing, Ryan? What's going on, man? How was, um, I know you're still making donuts, I see. And yes, all, is sir. Anything new we should know about? Anything, any projects with John Malkovich or anything like that? Or? <laughs> no, that got canceled last season. Last, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> like it um, goes, Amazon Prime. Mm, mm. No, I still work six days a week. Um, Saturday mornings, I help out with a meal prep company around town. Oh, so cool. I don't have much free time. I just live a very small life. Um, at my real job, we just moved into a new office because uh, the nonprofit that Chrissy started, okay. Rep, Reps for Recovery. Oh, okay. Um, that's actually taking off pretty well. We just got okay. our our federal paperwork. Um, so we are a f- what five hundred one three C yeah C three. Um, so we're certified by the IRS, um, but they needed all the office space at the gym. Um, so we moved into a new office, um, which last Monday I was hanging out in my office. It's a series of four offices. I heard somebody come in, like I, no one said hi to me. By the time I realized like, Hey, I should check. I should see who's actually in here. It was a a guy that I'd never seen before and just said, Uh Hey, how's it going? And then, uh, walked out. And then I realized that like he had robbed us. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Rob the nonprofit. Well, yeah, I mean, it's technically thanks, uh, Obama. Yeah, Gosh. yeah, yeah. It was actually Barack Obama. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just uh, we moved the offices for the online nutrition. Um, just it's nice because it's quiet. But this guy, I mean, would have thought to walk into a random office building and check if a door is open and then just lock out like that. Seth. He took a, yeah. yeah, he took a Bluetooth speaker <laughs> and oh, some paperwork with some sensitive uh, financial information. Is it about it. me? It's about me. Is it? <laughs> Everything's about me. That, that and then uh, the, that last really bad windstorm, I had the tree at my house in my backyard blow down. Oh, no. And that's just been occupying the last three and a half weeks for me. Oh, no. Um, Out there with a chainsaw? Yeah. Uh, chainsaw and then it knocked down two sections of fence. It damaged the, uh, like, I don't know, pergola that the neighbors have. Oh, my gosh. 40-year-old uh, Douglas fir. <laughs> Do you remember we Jeez. break in the fence, Sean, when we were playing volleyball on both <laughs> sides? Even though I didn't need to, the dog probably wasn't angry at me. Oh, yeah. Do you like how I saved those stories for <laughs> when we started recording? <laughs> yeah. Dude, all right, so you guys get robbed. What's uh this nonprofit? What's kind of your goal or your demographic? What's kind of going on? So if anybody knows uh, Black Iron, Black Iron Jim and Chrissy Maycagney, she's the owner. She is who I moved to New York with to do work with. I helped her build up her business. 
we started Donuts and Deadlifts as a joke in New York. We decided to move back to Reno to be closer to family, and because it's not worth paying the privilege, paying for the privilege to live in New York City. Yeah, it's um, smelly too, right? It smells like <laughs> urine in yeah. the summertime, and then mm. in in the winter, it is. Uh, that's the coldest I've ever felt. Um, was in New York, really? Yeah. Okay. Just because they it's had so uh, humid. We yeah, we were right by the Hudson River. Where uh. They're further north than we are. Um, I mean, they're practically Canada. Yeah. So, um, but one day we we were walking to the place we worked out at in in New York, and we had to walk west, and the wind blows from the west to the east through all the buildings so it gets magnified but it was one of the days where they had like a cold snap so i think the wind chill was about 16 below Jeez. and we're just like 40 mile an hour winds just walking and the gym was right on the hudson river so it's like you catch all that like blowing up from yeah. the ocean and the river and it's just <laughs> so uh but anyway yeah um chrissy has had a long history of drug and alcohol addiction and she used fitness as one of her coping mechanisms to become sober. Oh, cool. All yeah. Right. And so what Reps for Recovery is, she, she's she been talking about it for years. We finally got it like kicked off. I, I say we because I'm a part of the company, but I, I don't want to take credit for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she started that. And what Reps for Recovery does is we take it's... We present it as a supplement or even, I I don't want to say as a replacement. It's should be considered part of a, an addiction recovery program. So people, it's community building. It's, um, it's group fitness several times a week. And what we, what the nonprofit does is we will take addicts and we will pay for their gym memberships for, up to six months as part of their process to get sober. Uh, and hopefully that helps them channel all that like nervous energy that yeah. you can have. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. And then, um, use that kind of that, you know, that addictive personality to like, Hey man, like let's get addicted to the gym now and let's oh. get addicted to like, uh, abusing our bodies in a way that ultimately makes them stronger. Yeah. And, okay. Um, yeah. That's awesome. I've noticed uh, it it makes sense to me because I started going to the kickboxing gym that Seth goes to, Reno City Kickboxing, with Cliff and Brennan. And uh, I've found myself on nights before, I'm, I'm not going to, like, I, I'm planning on going to the <laughs> kickboxing gym. The night before, I'm like, I'm not going to eat as much and I'm not going to drink just because... I don't want to embarrass myself there. <laughs> Get all like, like sluggish and sweaty. Yeah. Or potentially crap my pants. I or drink something. I don't right, know. Right. I drink more before happen. I train, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, right, before, right before. Right <laughs> before. Yeah, but the, I'm saying the night before. I don't want to load up the, the cannon. So but either way, yeah. So I think that's super effective for that reason. Yeah. Like you said, using that addictive personality to be addicted to something that's good for you is good. But also like I've seen a lot of uh, people who have gone through um, your guys' program or just uh, getting in the gym in order to get sober. Yeah. yeah. And there's like, it's like, it's a different thing than 
So you see a lot of people on Instagram, you know, and they're like, oh, I'm fat. I'm going to start going to the gym. And they start posting everything, you know what I mean? And they sit in the squat rack for an hour and a half while you're <laughs> yeah. waiting yeah. with their iPad recording their PR squat. Right, right. But um, either way, you see these people get super fit to the point where they smile in the pictures, but it's like not that genuine smile. Yeah. It's like they're almost too... Yeah, in shape definitely. that their smile, it's like hide the pain herald, you know? It's like the... Yeah, unfortunately, like unfortunately, this. just from being a part of Black Iron and being within Chrissy's orbit for almost five years, um, you see a lot of that. You see a lot, like, all these, like, 21-year-old girls who are all insane. They are yeah. all just fully insane. Yeah. Just uh, ruminating about their, their body... Totally. And it's just like robbing themselves of all the joy in their life. Yeah. And, and yeah. And that's something that I think, um, they, that all the coaches and, and all the people involved, more directly involved with that, I think they pay close attention to. Totally. Because I don't think the solution really is to replace one addiction with another. <laughs> Yes. Because, I mean, totally. fitness can very easily go from something you do for health and wellness to something that can, like, ruin. Absolutely. Ruin you in other ways. Um, but what I mean, though, is, like, I see people go through that process yeah. and they have that real smile. Yeah. Where they're like, not only do I feel good because I'm fit, but I feel good because I'm sober. Yeah. And, like, they have that genuine smile, mm -hmm. which to me is a lot more, um, encouraging yeah, than, I agree. you know, the people who are like, I hate my body and I need to get ready for summer. So I'm going to, you know, do all this stuff and I throw up in the yeah. parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, like me looking in the mirror and not liking what I see is the extent of my adversity. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, uh, what we do in the reps for recovery is we have, um, exclusive, times that we set so if you're in the program that's like a reps for recovery only workout uh, on sunday and we encourage everybody to get there early so you can do you know bonding and community building and you get that you can relate to people that have been through it as opposed to like dealing with you know those people that are like like hiding behind a fake smile because like oh i gotta like I gotta look a certain way. Right. And it's just like, well, no, like a lot of these people have been through, been through their own version of hell. And, uh, so it's, yeah. It's like at some point, a tank top is no longer a tank top. It's like so loose and the armholes are so big. <laughs> Why do you even have it on? Mm -hmm. Like, what good is it doing? That's, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. The, the do you know what I mean? Like, why are you that guy's a shirt? Just, yeah, that guy's just wearing the tank top because he wants he wants people to realize that he has defined pecs or something. like I that. I will say I've never understood why some guys who weigh weigh like one forty wear a tank top that's clearly for someone who's two thirty. Where I'm like, the armpit space is like eight inches past your pits. Exactly. And now I'm just seeing your ribs. And I, and that's cool, but like I worry, like our small woodland creatures go hike in there. I mean, just there's also <laughs> open woodland space. Creatures. It's just you I were I've started using the term white tank top instead of the other term yeah, for it smart. because I'm sorry, I grew up on Fourth and Lenwood the A Street or there the A shirts. <laughs> yeah, I'm like 
Hey, I'm, well, I'm like, Hey, I'm wearing my, you know, what the term on fourth street is for the white tank top. And they're like, you really shouldn't say that. Cause that entails domestic abuse. I'm like, no, it does. So now I say white tank top with the mustard stain on. I have blood on one, which Who I thought think is that? awesome. They were like, Let's, what can we call this? They're all, how can we degrade poor like, white What people? about domestic violence? They're like, you know, oh, I, you know, little... like, you know that one kind of undershirt that everybody wears when we show up to domestic violence events? <laughs> you, <laughs> to calls. <laughs> you know how poor white people aren't human? How about this? And they, uh, yeah. You know Gosh. what I saw the other day? I walk around our local university every day at work for, to walk, cause walking is good for you, I think. I saw a dude Straight up early nineties belly shirt. No kidding. They're coming back. And he awesome. was wearing a pea coat over it. Awesome. And I was, was like, that, are you Dude, sure? Was it a school it's shooter? Finally time. <laughs> you it's sh- finally you sure time. he no, wasn't he had a the murderer? wrong haircut. See, you know, oh. <laughs> he didn't have the alt right haircut. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have the alt right haircut. So yeah. I knew I was safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trench coat sure did get ruined. <laughs> yeah. You can't wear a duster anymore you, for the life of you. <laughs> The all right haircut just tells me that the wind's always against you. It's just to one side. Do you Mother Nature's always opposed Renegade? To. Yeah. And he wore the trench coat and had a shotgun and like a yellow motorcycle. And you're like, that's badass. <laughs> you're like, that's so cool. Nope. But then Columbine happened and everyone's like, oh, all of a sudden oh. we can't watch Renegade. Which, anymore. thanks Obama, I can't wear trench coats and a weapon in a public school anymore. Thank you. Because, yeah, you see a kid wearing a black trench coat and you're like, at minimum, that guy loves the crow too much. At minimum. <laughs> minimum. That guy's way too goth. You go up to him if you're like, do you like Brandon Lee? He's all, who? I'm all, call the police. He's a shooter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a shooter. If he doesn't know we Brandon Lee. <laughs> Seth was the crow for Halloween That's eight years in a row, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> From was, the time he was 12 it to was 20. $5. You buy white and black face paint and look sad. I went as Superman for like four years in a row because I had a Superman shirt. <laughs> nice. So I was just like, oh, I just wear a suit. Yeah. Get it? I'm Clark Kent. There we go. Just be respectable. Polite. Put on glasses. I don't know who Genius. you are. I don't know who you are. Right, exactly. <laughs> Stupid Metropolis people. Um, Sean, do you want me a bring now? Up? Aquaman's gonna be the crow. Sorry, is he? Yeah, Jason Momoa is gonna be the new crow. He's all Wait, my man. new crow for Back real. From oh the yeah. Dead. Oh yeah. Dang. So I'm trying to like process like a. <laughs> is he the, surf? The, like a buff goth guy? <laughs> Yeah. He rolls it's in. It's going to be Danzig, basically. What, what if, what if they just, it's the same director as Aquaman. He doesn't change anything. He rides in a dolphin. He's a like, mom man. They're like, like, did you just Photoshop a trench coat onto Aquaman? They're yeah. like, this is the crow. He goes, I know, back from the dead. And then some porpoise attacks him. Like, why are you talking in an accent? <laughs> what? I'm is that crow. an Atlantean accent? <laughs> is your power that you can swim with motorcycle? Boots you hear the guitar. Dun, dun, dun. The crow. <laughs> Comes in. Dude, <laughs> that would be. Am- I can't wait to watch it. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I just talk myself into wanting to see this movie. <laughs> Why does he need powers? He's like roided to the gills, and I do say to the gills. He's what like, were the crow's powers actually? Was to that die. it was the actual crow right that had the powers? And you could like see around corners. It was he had a bird <laughs> yeah. and crippling social anxiety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. Get yeah. in line. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a. Sh- Show. He had uh it was OCD, social anxiety, yeah. and a bird. He had the attitude of a fifty-eight oh. year old. Whatever happened to that actor that played like the main bad guy with this super raspy oh, deep yeah. voice? 
He was in a couple movies, but yeah, he was like the it man for '90s bad guys. Mm, That guy was great. I liked him. Isn't he dead? Oh man, I don't know. I just assume people on see are dead. I didn't mean to derail. (laughs) It sounded like you were going to ask a question. Ah, I say lots of things. Let's. So I says to Mabel, I says, "Here, I'll finish this later." Dude, I'm going to Panama tomorrow, and I'm trying to check in on Spirit Airlines. Good luck, man. Dude, it isn't. It like costs one hundred eighty dollars just to check in. It's a demon spirit. Oh, that's it's ridiculous. Just as long as you're not flying a seven thirty seven Max eight. That's right. Be They've been grounded. We're good. Yeah. Good to go. I hope on that plane. No, <laughs> I was gonna. Wish, I was gonna wish a voodoo curse on you, but my uh, counselor told me not to do that anymore. So <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever therapist. Um. So this is some. I talked to Sean a little bit about this, and we do. All right, you may not believe this, people who listen, because uh, it sounds so clean and well developed. Our podcast, but mm. we really think of what we're gonna talk about like ten minutes before. Um. I wanted to bring up to you, Ryan and Sean, because we've all dealt with this. Um. No judgment to people who feel like this is kind of foreign to them, but the idea of loss. So, and I know I make tons of jokes on this and they're all hilarious. I'm humble, but this is serious of, I know Ryan and I have both known people who have, um, died from a drunk driver or someone kills herself. Um, me and this is the first time I think I've brought up on my show. My dad has cancer. Um, numbers aren't good. And then I know Sean um, has dealt with loss, people passing, people he cares about. And the reason I bring it up is because from my perspective, and you guys go with what you want to say, um, I see in our culture this huge amount of energy spent towards escaping the real pain of it or avoiding death or minimizing it with a quote or we say a nice little verse with psalms on and or we give a card and there's a sailboat on and we go okay there i gave my two cents but we really don't want to actually feel what it means or think about that you know what it is or the end or think about the meaning of life or think about you know the purpose or how much value things have that we're doing uh louis ck and this is before they found out he did a bunch of weird things with women which you know hey look you gotta call it out man i'm sorry don't act like that. But he had an interesting thing in a video where he talked about driving in his car and he has a sad moment. And the temptation is in that moment to go, okay, I'm going to text someone or listen to a song or do this. Instead, he turned down the radio and just felt it, let it hit him. And he had to pull over and just cry and feel like this emptiness, feel this moment of, I don't even know why I'm sad, but like, there's like this pain. And then he felt joy after. But I feel like a majority of us are... I got to text, I got to send this message, I got to do something because we don't want to face that feeling as a, and it's a human thing to go, oh, I feel like I'm lacking or I feel lonely right now or I feel sad or like I still deal with my friend Krista that, you know, she, she's gone. She died of cancer. Now I have my beliefs and that gives me comfort. But I always tell people this, like even Christians, especially, especially because they just dodge this like the plague. Even Jesus, who was God cried when Lazarus died. Jesus did. Jesus went, like, knowing the guys could come back, goes, no, this isn't how it should be. So, and, and it's different. I think it's different from when a five-year-old dies to a 90-year-old. There's different contexts. But what do you guys do as grown men? We're not 16. We're not just listening to music and hiding anymore. Um, And it's fine if the answer is, no, I'm still not dealing with it. We've all lost people. What do you do with loss? If you were going to tell anyone, doesn't matter, atheist, Christian, Muslim, anyone, what do you do with loss? The next day someone's dead 
and everyone's saying stupid platitudes. What do you do with that? So I'm not sure who wants to go first, but just like Sean doesn't want to go first. So Ryan, do you? I have utter contempt for all those useless platitudes, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I like that the kind of, uh, the, the idea of, especially men, um, the idea of openly embracing your emotional side, I, I, I absolutely adore that it's becoming more and more acceptable. I think it is utter weakness to try to, I felt that way when we were hardcore kids. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it, it's utter, utter weakness to never show vulnerability to act like you're in this contest of who could care the least. I just never played into that. And that's why, like, I think a lot of those kids hated me at least at one point or another. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've also been an art kid for my whole life. And, and so it like, uh, I think the, the, the reverse side of that is indulging in it too much. Um, yeah, you, you know, like being a high school kid and being like a fairly like award, like I was fairly talented artist. I won a couple scholarships, a couple awards in a certain point. Like, oh man, I got broken up with. Like, that's the end of the world. And I got to indulge that. And like, I had to make pe- other people feel my pain. And mm-hmm. like, I think back, I'm like, well, yeah, there's a dumb kid. Uh, and it's just a breakup. But I- I've always liked, um, not hiding, not hiding. Yeah. You, you and me, like, even just dealing with like girls, we used to, drive around to the car and it's just like, okay, we're going to listen to like Emery. Yep. And we're going to like, we're going to listen to some emo and we're not going to talk, but we're going to be around each other. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the less than mature way of fully dealing with it. But it's like, at least, you know, at least there's somebody next to me. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot different than death, but that's, that's something that I, I was actually talking with, uh, Danny, remember yeah. Danny? Like, yeah. yeah, he, we, he and I were, uh, talking the other day, uh, about that he, he's on the same page as me is that he likes that people, that, uh, men especially are embracing that more because you can't just like <clears throat> all that like strong, silent stuff is just fiction. I think, uh, this whole idea of like, oh yeah, we can be like the, the 1950s. I'm going to be like Don Draper. I'm yeah. going to be like this stone cold. It's just like, yeah, that doesn't fly anymore, man. And for me, I love that. Who, who is your, so, and I agree with you because I think our culture is so extreme, always going one to the other, either like emotion controls you every single second or you show none of it all. Right. Who was the first, if you think in developing growing up, because I remember mine. So the first death that hit me was when I was five because I invited him to my birthday. And the reason he didn't come was he got hit by a car. It was like someone backing up. Oh, and that wow. was, and that was the first one I ever had. So that in your developmental stage, and I'm not trying to be flippant. People who hear my tone of voice, it's because I've had years and years of dealing with it. So I've, it's, it's something that I go, no, it hurts. His name was Paul. What was the first loss? And it can be family, whatever, where you went, man, like it hit you where there was questioning, there was wondering, there was, 
debating. There was even like, this, this seems unreal to me. What was kind of the first loss that hit you the most? Cause I know you and I have talked about a little bit about loss, but I'm not sure who was the one that hit you first where it was like, man, this is like, I'm processing it. I'm thinking about it. Like, um, my grandmother died when I was four or five. Okay. And I remember like pretty vividly the conversation having with my mom where she explained like grandma's dead. She okay. or this is a thing. Like, and this is like for, to the extent I would ever have parental advice for not having, for not being a parent. Yeah. Like use direct language because like it was needlessly traumatic for me to go through even at four. My parents are like, Oh, grandma's gone. And I'm like, okay, well, when's she coming back? And they're like, she's not. Wow. And it's like, well, what the hell? What does that mean? And I remember like getting mad and just being like, well, that's not fair. Like, why would she do that to us? And then having to like, oh, kind of independently d- discover that. It's just like, oh, man. Yeah. But I think uh, uh, kind of weird that we were talking about it. But like, I think the first person that like was close to me that who died was TJ. Yeah. Um, and but like I was a lot closer with him freshman year than by the time he like we were seniors. Mm-hmm. But it still hit me. And that's just like, I, did, I honestly didn't know how to process it because I thought I would feel a different way than I did. Yeah. And I still remember getting my hair cut and the, the girl that was cutting my hair was like, she knew Bo. Oh, and yeah. um, the thing that's always stuck out to me in my mind, and I realized like far too late, like many years later that, you know, this was a useless platitude, but she was just like, I just feel like... There's some people that were put on this earth to serve as examples for others. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, that's really deep. But at the same time, I was like, well, what example was he supposed to be yeah. serving me? Yeah. Like, he died in a needless accident. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I wonder, yeah, I feel like some of the times, and this isn't a judgment. No, it is. I'm going to judge him. Uh, <laughs> judge. Judge away. There are times where people say, say stuff and they need to be honest to admit that they're not really saying it for you. They're saying it for mm-hmm. them. They feel a little bit of guilt, like societal mm-hmm. pressure, like I'm supposed to say something. They don't want to really get messy and really walk in the pain with you and feel it. Because that would include them suffering themselves and discomfort. So they go, okay, what's something I can say? little grenade I throw and then go and say, hey, oh no, I checked on him. Versus sitting at a guy's house. He's angry. He's yelling. You're uncomfortable. Not knowing what to say. Maybe even crying with him. And leaving going, man, that even hurt me. And people go, well, I don't want to do that. That's suffering. I'm like, well, that's bearing his burden. As, you know, sitting there at the, I remember I got the call to, um, so their pastor was out of town. I got a call from, uh, a good friend of mine, um, saying, Hey, this dad, his daughter's going to be pulled off life support and the pastor's out of town. So I show up and I realize I know her. Um, and I'm there and the dad and mom are crying on my shoulder and they nod at the doctor like, yeah, it's okay. So they pull the plug and I'm also touching the hand of her as the plug's being pulled and they're, you know, on my shoulder and the pulse fades and everything's done. Um, and usually our policy is the pastor leaves, you know, you leave the family to deal with that while they're, you know, the plugs, been, but they, the dad requests me, he said, will you stay? So the doctor nods at him. Yeah, she's gone. And they just fall apart to have a grown man. He's crying. He's on your shoulder. Um, if someone had given me some platitude, then I would have told them to leave. <clears throat> Cause at that point I go, his daughter is dead. She is dead. 
Give him a second. He doesn't need your stupid Oprah quotes. What he needed was someone that you come in there, and I hate it. That wasn't my plan for a day. I wanted to be comfortable. I wanted to American way, do my thing. This is my day. I wept with him. I cried with him. And then when the family was gone, I went home and broke down and dealt with it. And I did her funeral um, a little while later. A year later, his other daughter dies. So here's the thing. If I explain that to most Americans... They go, no, no, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to deal with that. It's Because it is. It's messy and it sucks. But here's the thing. He remembers me. He loves me. I love him. But it took feeling that pain. And I and I get it if you're out there. I, most people don't want to. Who wants to suffer? Who wakes up and goes, I want to feel my soul torn apart. I want to be depressed today. I want to question things. I want to be mad at God. I want to argue with God. Who wakes up and goes, no, no, I want to be depressed. I want to really question everything that's led me up to this. No. And, um, yeah, that day just sucked. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and it's like, but most people don't want to feel, but that's what it takes is, and you see that sometimes with homeless people or others is we don't want to get in their mess. We don't want to dive in there because it's not comfortable. It sucks. When you have a friend say stuff, it's much easier to go, yeah, well, there's other fish in the sea, man. He's not talking about fish and he doesn't need freaking fish right now. Like, damn it. Like, seriously, he's hurting, but it's just. Yeah, no one wants ugh. to hear like, it's going to be okay because yeah. uh, fundamentally everybody knows that. But it's like, no. yeah. even if you had turned and be like, oh, she's in a better place. You yeah. think he cares right no. now? No, his daughter's dead. Yeah. It, he's dealing with himself right now. <laughs> you can intellectually know something that doesn't yeah. mean it's reason. Imagine this. Okay. Your daughter has been assaulted and then murdered. And I go. Well, you believe, like, say Islam, you believe this? And she was faithful. She's in heaven. He goes, she was still raped and murdered. Uh, intellectual knowledge of something like a, still, we are humans. We have feelings. Like, we, we think about things. We're not just computers. If I go Ryan and go, here's a fact, he's like, that's great. Well, it still sucks. I've had those kind of conversations with my brother. (laughs) Go Uh, on. Yeah. Well, it's just like, he, like, he's devastatingly smart. And I've had to been like, and you know what? Like, I I appreciate everything you have to say. However, mm-hmm. are you more interested in being correct right now and being right? Yeah. I mean, that's more of a, a of a general thing, but it's just oh. like, yeah, man, like no one like some of the things you say, like it doesn't matter that you're right. It doesn't matter that you're correct, as, especially in such a moment that has like loss. Cool, man. Like they're in a better place. Yeah. They get eternal life. Yeah. What about me? Yeah. And the to veer off subject a little. One of the things I've said with my parents and my brother was just like talking about. Okay, well, it's to me, it's odd. Some of the things you you guys choose to care about and mm. choose to focus on as sins mm. when say something like you should take action to prevent global warming. Yeah. yeah. And then they say, well, like God's going to take care of it. That's not an excuse for an inaction. No. And that doesn't make me feel better. That, like, you can tell me, you can promise me heaven, and it doesn't matter because I still don't want to die a painful death. Yeah, I think that... Life still sucks. Truth. Like, I'm sorry. Peter and Paul knew the truth, and they're still... Martin Luther King knew a true thing. still was like, yeah, I'm still getting beat with nightsticks. So, sorry. Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I... I dislike it, but I understand when people can only come up with platitudes because they're just like, I don't know what to say. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. I just want to, I want things to be okay. 
So I'm just going to offer this up because that's all I know how to do. And that's what I was raised yeah. seeing people do. And I don't know any better because I haven't actually, uh, delved in to the doctrine of death, I guess, you know, yeah. and I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't been a part of it because I've been told I should try to avoid it all my life. And I'm, that annoys me sometimes, especially when it's me who's grieving. And somebody comes up and gives me a platitude. What's even worse, though, for me, is when somebody dies and someone tries to use that death to make whatever their agenda is legit. Yes. And I remember, and you probably remember this too, Seth, Jamal, when we went to elementary school, as a kid named Jamal. Nice kid. Pretty nice kid. I don't know. We got in fights with him, but he was also cool. (laughs) His right. older brother was uh pretty heavily involved in a kind of local gang yes. to Reno Sparks. That's true, yeah. And um and I don't know the entire graphic detail because it was elementary school, so you don't know what sensationalized and what isn't. And we were drinking. So. But basically, in elementary school? he came home. Oh, yeah, like, nice. I mean, this I is third problems. grade. We I were had, pretty old by then. I had problems. <laughs> he, you don't know me, man. <laughs> so Jamal, he came home. Jamal had problems. And we were always white. And Jamal was the only black kid that went to Lena Juniper Elementary at the time. And we were always like, oh, these stereotypes we hear about black people Maybe have some accuracy because look at Jamal, which was an unfair statement, but Jamal had some problems. Um, and I actually, I've heard something recently that he's doing good now, but anyways, he had some problems and, and honestly, it was just this vicious cycle because the teachers were always looking for Jamal to do something more than anybody else. Yes. And then he would do something very slight, something that Seth and I could get. And they'd be like, see? Yeah. Drop the hammer. Anyway. Drop the hammer. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just this terrible situation. I learned the, I learned the worst things in third grade that and fourth grade that have stuck with me forever. Anyways, Jamal came home and his brother had been murdered um, and other people and um, like saw that as a third or fourth grader. And um, uh, he was like nine or eight, maybe something like so, that. Yeah. Saw that. Um, and it was I mean, it was bad. It was like a very it was a very violent crime that involved a lot of more people than just his brother and it wasn't just murder i mean there was just terrible stuff happening yeah anyways it was awful and i didn't know how to deal with it i didn't even know how to look him in the eye knowing that but i remember our not our teacher but one of the teachers because we had to do an assembly for the whole thing and one of our teachers essentially said this is why you don't get involved with these black gangs because this is the result of it. Yeah. And I said... It's a needless adjective there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, according to the teacher, maybe. Right. Or right. at the time. I mean, this was early 90s. And so there was <sighs> motorcycle clubs. Clubs. There was, there was Nazis black in gangs. some valleys. Yeah, but they didn't, they didn't recognize them. And so that's what I'm saying. So, uh, and at the time, I was just like, oh, you're my teacher. You're an authoritarian i'm supposed to believe what you say and it's really frustrating looking back at myself thinking that i didn't just like instantly revolt and you know pull the sink off and throw it through the window or whatever happens but like (laughs) literally 
uh, that scarred me one way or another for life. And I think that's one of the lowest things that you can do is try to take advantage of somebody else's death for yeah. your agenda. And I've seen it. It's not only like, like political reasons. Like I've seen people say, Oh my gosh, did you hear this guy died? And it's like they want to, they want to play up their proximity to this person because yes. they want everybody to say, I was so close to this person and he died and I, you know, you don't know what it's like. Oh, people don't do that, Sean. Come on. <laughs> Fake news. But yeah, that's, the, that's it exactly ta- the same It didn't thing. take less than a day for people to have very strong opinions about what happened in New Zealand. Exactly. <laughs> I think yeah. it was like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like I, the bodies are still warm. I hate that. I think that's a logical conclusion to tragedy, right. but I think it skips a step. Yeah. I think there's this step of grieving where before we even determine this mode of action that needs to be taken because of this, we just need to recognize kind of like you were describing Louis CK. It's so sad that he's our model for this, <laughs> but it takes a minute to just recognize that somebody's gone and take in the reality of that and fully process that. And usually people don't do it and it comes out two years later when you're yelling at somebody or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'll always come out. Your body keeps a score. There's a book about that. It's like, no, it'll... You know what? You know what makes me sad right now. I hear your thoughts on this because this. There was a time where men could actually show emotion, and now one of the big killers of middle-aged white men is actually suicide. They talk about yeah. depression, and there are these pictures in the old west. They're like hugging each other. They're writing stuff to each other. And well, like, that's gay. Yeah, I, I love we that. We can't be gay. I love any physical interaction is asexual, and B. That's the only place you find intimacy. Versus no, like. We came to this point of not only over-sexualizing, but such this homophobic... So one, everything's sexual, which screws us, because there's all these casualties. And then the second one is this homophobic fear of, we'll all be called gay. No homo. No homo. Dude, you're if someone dies... Just tell your friend you love him. And if you know who you are, and why do you care? I'm sorry. You know who you are. I know who I love. I know who I'm. It's our culture is so backwards on this. And we have men literally walking in their house, putting a gun in their mouth. And we're saying, well, suck it up, man up. That hasn't worked. Yeah. It hasn't it, worked when it, when ever. Has it ever. We're, we're at the point where the young men are growing up and putting a bullet in their brains and you're telling them still to man up. It hasn't worked. It's failed. Well, that's Ugh. that's where you get into the concept of, and, and the reactionaries will shut this down, but like the the whole concept of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like we can't show emotion because that's, that's gay. That's effeminate. Yeah. And it's like, no, man, it makes you human. Yeah. Um, and I think about like you talking about Jamal made me think about something that I haven't thought about in many, many years. I don't even know how people long. say I do that a lot. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, there it? was a kid, uh, at the church I used to go to. Yeah. His father was murdered. Jeez. Just a robbery gone wrong. The guy was just like, Hey, no witnesses. Mm, Boom. Jeez. Just like. And I remember my parents being like, Hey, don't bring it up to, to the, to his children who were showing up to church the next week or like one or two or three or whatever afterwards. And I was like, no, F that. Like, and I just like in my own awkward, like 
10 or 12 year old self, I don't even remember how old I was or how old he was. Yeah. Just being like, I'm, I am so sorry. And yeah. he was just like, yeah, it's okay. Because it's just like, well, in the context, like, do you really expect to be like, Oh yeah, it's like the coffee hour in between services. Yeah. Like, hey, you, did you see Simpsons? Yeah, did you like? Did I really? Did did anybody expect like kids, two kids, to have a deep conversation in a public space? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh yeah, no, no, it's fine, it's okay, you know. And soon after, both the kids like stopped going to that church and everything. And I think I haven't thought about that in a couple of years. But huh. the, like the last time I did think about it, I tried to like look them up on Facebook and. One of them, uh, like, the older daughters living, at least at the time, was, like, moved to England. Oh. And he was, he seemed to be doing pretty well. And it's like, well, that's good. But getting back to the the whole concept of toxic masculinity, I remember, um, I can't remember if it was uh, which baseball team, but it, Barstool Sports posted uh, a little clip of, like, Two baseball players. I can't remember if it was the Red Sox or mm-hmm. it might have been the, the Metros. Mar- was it the Metros? Yeah, it was, I think <laughs> oh, it might have been the Mar- been, been the Marlins. But it was two oh, guys okay, yeah. and then, like they were hugging and and then like one of them like leaned over and hugged him and then like kissed him or whatever. Yeah, and then they were like mocking it and like yeah. all these diseased. Oh, I do ass- remember that. Yeah, 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 all these like yeah. I saw it on Twitter, which is. I know it's not real life, but you see all these people that are like, I'm following 6,000 people and I have 23 followers. They're like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's effing gay. Like, yeah. and they're like, look at these pussies. And it's just like, I, I, I like that you didn't say, but you said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be decently good. Oh, <laughs> um, it's just like, dude, you guys are a cancer. I, I like honestly, I have nothing good to say about reactionaries like that because you are the weakest people. You are just so utterly weak. And people that do that are alone, and they're just like they don't want. I, I don't know. I I don't have a lot of good things to say, so I don't. I try not to dwell on it. No, I gotcha. But we should kill them, Sean. Uh, you, you know, Anthony, if they're white nationalists, yes. <laughs> you know, Anthony Bradley. He had a study oh, of, of course. Uh, there's a huge study coming out now of inner city kids who have PTSD by the time they're eight or nine. And they can't get out of the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like trauma yeah. on top yeah. of trauma on top of trauma. And you can't expect people to like, I think, I, no, no, I think, I think that's like more or less to the, that's everybody. And that's why we don't know how to deal with it. We're dealing with all, all of our own stuff. Um, imagine being, all right. So, uh, there was a book called monster. I read that was about a guy who was in, uh, uh, three, what was it? Eight Trace Crips. I'm trying to remember because the Crips eventually broke into different subsets. Right. The uh, different fu- sets. Fun fact for some of you at home in the 80s and 90s, statistically, more Crips killed Crips than Bloods did because they had so many subdivisions. Anyway, he was in the Crips. Oh, eight Trey Crips. There you go. He was under Tukey. Um, his initiation was at nine or 10, him and his friends walked up with sawed off shotguns and murdered four Bloods. So if you think of a soldier coming home from Iraq, and he has PTSD from a little like combat. They see us all the time. I'm not diminishing soldiers. I'm, I'm not, I, I get it. you see it, but so they have PTSD. And then like Ryan said, they see it again, again, again. Here's what we do. You arrest them and they've been suspended from school. They probably have truancy issues, single parent household, put them in juvie. Uh, the rates of them being molested goes up. So they're molested. 
Um, they don't make it in juvie. Eventually, they age out. 18, you're in prison. Um, eventually, that guy's in prison for years hurting people. And here's what, and then we hear about them getting raped again. And here's what we do. We make jokes. They're being raped. We make jokes about, you know, all this. Uh, we go, okay. We go, great. You know, well, they're animals. They shouldn't have broken the law. Here's the thing. If you grow up being molested and you've seen people murdered, um, it affects you. And that's not well, just. Well, why don't they just know, move? Why, why don't you just move? And two, they're showing trauma causes chemical biological response now. So now they have brain trauma. Correct. Here's the thing with loss. When are we going to stop saying with loss, get over it, move away, get a job, stop being a bum, stop being a loser, stop. There's all these things versus, all right, let let me put in a term you can understand so people listening. If you care about money, it is in your economical interest that that family survives and the kid doesn't go to prison. It would be better if that family lives and the kid doesn't go to prison. It actually would be in your own interest that you want that kid to thrive. And That's take just the mine. money you are spending yeah. on prisons anyway because yep. you you are the one who pays for prisons. You are, yeah. And invest in counseling services. Absolutely. Because guess what? The cops are the ones who get called. The co- It's not the cop's job to be a counselor. To be a licensed, yeah. Which yeah. – if I had my way and I could run society, I would say like we're gonna cut the like the patrol force by at least half. Mm. We're gonna take that money. We're gonna give it to counseling services. Yeah. Because how many crimes are they really preventing? Yeah. Uh, you could have a like certain amount of debates, but I would point to Baltimore yeah. <laughs> as a, a, a failed system. How much Ugh. money would we save? Think if you had. If even, and this is the crazy thing, we used to as a society, if you broke the law, it wasn't the end of the world. You'd still go back to your family. You'd still Depends go into on who you are, whether yeah. or not it's yeah. the end of the world. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Cause, <laughs> cause, it, cause like, you know, we're just like not people American, like yeah. people who look like us. We've just lost yeah. our way. Cause like there was a point where, um, they had a story about, uh, some of the colonies, like even, and, and Grant here, full disclosure. If I'm talking colonies, yes, I have to exclude Native Americans and black people because the Constitution even calls them savages still, by the way. Yeah. There was a chance that you could break the law, but they said this. They would go, we don't want to separate you from your family too much or make them go destitute because it would hurt the whole community. It would hurt the whole community. You have these like super racist people that are like, they want to attribute it. They want to like, they're pseudoscientists. They want to be like, well... That's in their nature. Yeah. And it's like, no, oh dude, what gosh. you're, what you're contributing to biology is completely sociological. Yeah. I only blame the Irish for that. No one else. Well, is yeah, like that. They, because they're not human. I've seen, I am one third not human. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm only a quarter. Mostly not potato. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's the potato. <laughs> what? The dirty, dirty, dirty Irish. <laughs> they do surgery on shot and potatoes come out there like, we knew it. What do you, Hey, I want to just be right. What do you think about this, Sean? Because I think loss, I think as a human, if you don't what deal you with it. you come up with this topic, by the way? I, 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 no joke. I'm texting Sean and my mom going, hey, Ryan's life has sucked sometimes. I was like, let's talk about I've loss. Had, uh, in, all honesty, in all honesty, I've had, like, I've said this before and I don't mean to, like, cut you out again, Sean, but yeah, I, I'm I enjoying do. No, I, I, I've had a very, very good life. And I can't think of anything exceptional, exceptionally bad that's happened to me that I haven't persevered through. And I don't know. I've made the joke to my girlfriend, like, man, if something bad happens, like, I might end up being Buddha. 
<laughs> because that's the whole thing with Buddha was like he was so sheltered from the world and then like when he when his parents died he was just like had this enlightenment and he was like actually I'm Buddha and, yeah. and I have all these insights now <laughs> Does your head look good shaved or no? Do you have a skull You know, I hawk? tried that when I lived in L.A. and I was going to architecture school. Yeah. I tried to shave it. I look good with it. I don't judge mm, you. I hear that, actually. <laughs> I look terrible. With I think I got I got told I look like a cop the other day by the guy at Home Depot. <laughs> really? He's like, are you uh, military? I'm like, no, sir. I said that, and he was just like, looked at me kind of funny. Sure? He's just like, are you a cop? Are you law enforcement? And I was like, no, sir. He's just like, he's the guy up in Spanish Springs. Like the, like, have you gone to that home, home depot? Dude, that's that the black guy. Dude. Yeah. Dude, that guy that's rules. Guy. He is Jerry. Like, His name he, is Jerry. Yeah. He yeah. bought my son. He uh, w- literally, we walked into home depot. He's all, what's up, my man? What do you want for Christmas? And my son was like that. And he goes, I got it. Literally no, bought my son a Christmas guy. present. Is the best. one of my favorite people, and he came up to me and he was like, "Hey, man, you good?" And I was like, "Yes, sir." And he's like, "I feel like I've talked to you before." And I was like, "You have?" And he's like, "Are you are you military?" <laughs> no. Are you law enforcement? No, sir. <laughs> I kept saying that, and he's like, "Well, you're saying, sir." And I was like, "Well, I was raised to be polite." Yeah. But and then I I just kept saying, "Well, like, well, that just means I just got to grow out my hair now." <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I do think if anyone's been my friend long enough, they have trauma. So if you have been friends with Seth, mm, call one eight hundred. Actually, remember that the- was good. Shout out to Jerry at Home Depot in Smash Springs. <laughs> he literally deserves a raise. If he, you he is if you a, have any he is a Home Depot, yeah. he's a fantastic person. He bought my he literally pulled out cash and bought my That's son. Incredible because we go there once a month. You right, know what I mean? Right, right. It's awesome. Anyway, so I. Just to touch on trauma and loss, I do think there is a very real physiological effect from loss. And I think that that effect is enhanced when we don't properly deal with it, <clears throat> like on a, on a mental and emotional level. And I, I think that you and I saw this when Krista died. Yes. Um, <clears throat> There was a lot of rough stuff around our friend Krista dying, um, but survivor's guilt. There was a lot. Of, yeah, there was a lot of that. You know, there was a, myself there was that, yeah. a couple of people who claimed that the reason she died was because she didn't really have enough faith in Jesus. Yep, that was rough. That and was when I left was, the church and hung out with Ryan. Yeah. And then there was, uh, you know, conversations that you had with Krista right before she died, or yeah. ones that you could remember years before she died that were unclear and only revealed after that and stuff. Wait, is this the Christopher McQueen? No, no, different one. Okay. Yeah, different different. one. Uh, Gardnerville, she had cancer, uh, was told that she was healed. Um, And then at her funeral, I decided, I said, oh, I confronted someone. I said, oh, so, you know, I thought she was healed. And it was, oh, well, she didn't have enough faith. So I told them, (sighs) I told them they were dead to me. I said, if I saw them again, I'd kill them. And then that's when I went on my little spree, and uh, she was the first Christian girl who I liked but didn't tell her. And then after she died, I found out she liked me too, and we didn't say anything, so she died. And um, I just started hurting people for the next five years. So, you know, and, and everybody, it's it's easy to make jokes, and I'm uh, actually one of the people that makes the jokes about, like, young white men. Yeah. <laughs> because I have been one. What? I thought you were yeah. Latino. You but got I mean, like, you think about all the times that, like, we've 
dealt with our emotions by yeah. punching holes in walls. <laughs> yeah. I actually well, saw a joke the other day that was just like, how you know a white boy loves you and it was just a hole in a drywall. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that is part of it though. And I think that like, um, expressing pain is something that, that we've been taught not to do. And we're all learning it because yes. we've been told, like, because I wasn't we have able to do that, no. right? And because, like, I I think of like my upbringing, and I'm like, man, I don't think I've ever like the the strongest emotion I've ever seen my dad give me was right after graduation. McQueen has that party up at Boca, right? Yeah, yeah. So I drive up there. I miss the turnoff because it's like on a dirt road. Mm. You're supposed to turn off and everybody's having like a bonfire and everybody's drinking because, you know, white kids like to break the law. Because yeah. Yeah. cops Cause, won't shoot us. Yeah. So, so okay. I missed the turnoff and I was trying to turn around and I had, I was driving uh, like a Chrysler sedan or something. I hit a rock. It cracked my oil pan. Oh, <laughs> yeah, whoa. I can relate. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so I like have a full-on meltdown. Luckily, you know, I had a cell phone, so I called my parents. They drive up to Truckee. That like I managed to like get down there before the engine seized. Like get down to the road. So you know, like a two hundred dollar <laughs> towing bill. Yeah, I paid for that. <laughs> but like my dad's just like driving in silence and then about halfway between Truckee and Reno, he's just like, I can't believe you're that f-ing stupid. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and that's the one of, one of two times that I've ever heard my dad actually swear. Yeah. The other time was when <laughs> my older brother and my neighbors <laughs> were lighting off fireworks. <laughs> And my other neighbors called the cops. <laughs> so the cops showed up and he came back and he, he actually said the exact same thing. So it's like, Oh, that's your go to. He just like walked in and like, because that was like summer break and they're like, my, sure. both of my parents are at work. And then like my dad yeah. walks back in. And my mom's just like, I can't believe you guys. And my dad just like, you guys are so stupid. <laughs> that seems I was like, like oh go-to. man, he is mad. <laughs> My- <laughs> Actually, that reminds me, that reminds me of a story. Of course Also it does. involving your car, Seth. So this one time, I don't know if the we, red car? I don't know if we've yeah. told this situation. Yeah. yeah. Seth had that red Ford Taurus um, and that thing went everywhere and it just got jacked cliff up. Of- <laughs> um, we did it. We had many adventures in that Ford Taurus. Allegedly. And I remember Seth would Allegedly. uh lie terribly. I thought it, <laughs> yeah, I was Seth the liar. Seth well, here's the thing. Seth had a, a gullible mom who True. he could lie to. True. And she'd be like, Oh, my son wouldn't lie to me. Mm-hmm. And his dad was always working. And so his dad maybe heard his mom tell the story, but he was probably tired and going to bed at that time. Yeah. So one time we took Seth's car off roading. And we were trying to do jumps and stuff, and we were see- finding little like areas. you do with the Taurus. <laughs> yeah, and so we're As finding these areas. I don't know if we told this story, Seth, but this is a good one. Yeah, so go we <laughs> we were driving around in what now is Red Hawk Golf Course. Yes. Oh snap! But then it was almost Red Hawk Golf Course. So there were some sand pits. So they they had uh they had like shaped everything, but I don't think they had planted grass or anything. Um, except this one area that we did donuts in. But anyways, so as we were, 
we found a jump, we went off this jump, and so we went up off the jump, barely, you know. In a car, you get like maybe two inches. Yeah. We went up, and then we went down. Do a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> and then we sunk Four down tough. some more. Yeah. And so now the wheels were under, and I was like, hold on, Seth. We need to get out and push. And Seth's like, what if I just push the gas more? <laughs> and so we'd go. That's what it's and for. And we kind of, and he goes, <laughs> and we're like moving. We're moving Sinking. diagonally. Yeah. So we're moving forward one inch. For every inch we go down, we're moving forward one inch. And then Seth's car just stops. And we go, huh. what was that about? And the fuel and gauge goes from gas. full to yeah. empty. It yeah. drops oh, no. The fuel gauge. And then we smell gas. And we've seen movies, so we're like, get out, run! <laughs> and we all run and jump, and then it never blows up. But all the gas did leak out in this giant puddle because Seth had a lighter. gone over some rebar yes. and snipped his fuel line, oh, which was funny. Punctured everything. And so I looked at Seth. I was the wise one. And I said... Seth, I don't know what we're going to do about this. I don't know if we can get this How out How are here. we all alive? I know. It's crazy. That's a valid question. But anyways, here's here's a... <laughs> this was a monumental time for Seth. Because <laughs> Seth literally had spent... Correct me if I'm wrong. Because I may characterize this only from my perspective. But Seth had an inability to deal with emotions. Whether it was loss or grief or anger or frustration. No, that's correct. This that's continues correct. on till this day, right? <laughs> yes, that's, but that's accurate. But when he was a kid, um, he would grin and bear it for a minute, and then it would come out at the most inopportune times. Mm-hmm. Usually, also correct. The dentist's office, yeah. <laughs> usually, Driving on I-80. <laughs> usually on his undeserving friend who is just trying to be nice, and he decides... To- so, anyways, um, and I was... I remember I was freaking out because I was like, now what? <laughs> I was like a battered wife. I was like, oh, I'm going to pay for this later. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, Seth's going to bottle this up and take it out on me one day. <laughs> right at the dinner table. <laughs> right where the lasagna in of, in front of everybody. Yeah. Front of All I did was cook the lasagna. Bad day at work. Yeah. Oh, so Plates anyways. are flying. Yeah. So we're walking so back one of those and I'm kind, of, I'm kind of on edge and I'm telling everybody because we're with some other people. Yeah. Assailants. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with, uh, Mark with it. Mark was with us. He's like, and I'm like, I'm telling everybody, Hey, hang back. Let's let Seth just sort out his feelings for a while and, and walk in front as we're walking to a payphone to try to figure out how we're going to get out of this situation. And I remember Seth did what I thought was one of the most healthy things I saw Seth do. And he pulled out a sign from the grass that said, uh, it said like non, not potable water. Yeah, Don't drink potable. the water. Don't drink the water. He pulled it out and started using it as a, as a tomahawk. And just cutting off sprinkler heads, like Cool Hand Luke. To just flood walking down all the of Wingfield Springs, yeah, to flood the whole area. But that wasn't the healthy part. But yeah. what was healthy about it was Seth said, he goes, there's nothing I can do to get out of this. There's no way that I can avoid the wrath of my parents. So I'm just going to express my anger by f***ing shit. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we did. And we walked from... Deep, deep Wingfield Springs, About, all the way to Scalari. I to flooded use the half that neighborhood. Yeah, 
And then we, Mark called his dad and his dad came and picked us up and his dad was like, not my kid, not my problem. <laughs> he dropped us off. Nice. And I remember we went back to your house, Seth, and the next morning I left really quickly and <laughs> you got to tell your parents about it. But I remember your dad. That's a long trek. It was a long walk. <laughs> it was a lot of sprinklers. And, uh, so I remember your dad wouldn't look at me, wouldn't talk to me or look at me. Let alone you for months. Yeah, he was yeah. pretty, he was pretty upset. But again, I felt like you were the one dealing with it more healthily because t- you were actually yeah. expressing your emotion instead of, and bottling it up, I feel like is a cliche thing that we say all the time, yeah. but you were actually being real and expressing grief. And I feel like that's something that mis- is missing from society a lot today. She, I'm not she, saying no. cut up sprinklers or no. Well, she, she was thrown but. off because she comes in, she goes, what happened? I go, my dad's like getting mad. I go, hold on. I'm like, I was irresponsible. I'm bored with my life. So I drove through a golf course and damaged my car. I go, I can't change that now. And I'm like, but that's why I did. I go, so what you're going to do, do. I go, but I'm already knowing how stupid I am. I go, I just want you to know I'm lost. And I walked away and they're like, uh, <laughs> like well, that, what? that's disarming. <laughs> but that was the first time yeah. you've ever done that. Yeah, where I was honest with them. And, and yeah. my dad's like, you're grounded. I go, I deserve it. I go, I need to figure out who I am. He goes, well, yeah, right. you do, son. I'm like, yeah. Well, let me yell. He's like, go yeah. in your room. You're like, I'm already in it. <laughs> you're my, you're not my dad. Yeah. I am. <laughs> but anyways, I feel like, uh, I, you weren't taught. I mean, no. the, the way that, um, we all were raised and saw and watched movies and saw our parents and learned from teachers. We were never taught to actually express emotion. And as a matter of fact, like, I think that the uh, part of the masculinity debate that's going on right now, which results usually in toxic masculinity, I guess, I don't know, is there is actually a true statement that, like, it's it's kind of hard to be a boy in public school because you're expected to behave the way that girls are really good at behaving. You're expected not to have emotional outbursts. You're expected not to be wild. You're expected to be polite and all of these things. And you're expected to be stoic right. and all of those things. And I think that so a lot of stupid. that stuff, it is stupid because it puts you on the wrong path. Because when it, and then all of a sudden when you like wake up one day and you're like, I have all these emotions. Yeah. What do I, I don't do know how it? to do that. Yeah. I don't know how to, like, what am I supposed to do with all of yeah. this? Totally. Yeah. It's just like, totally. yeah, I think about that. I think about that kind of stuff a lot because it is true. And it's like, yeah, you can tell people, you can tell little kids for six hours of the day, but that's a quarter of their day. Yeah. And their their family life might not reflect that. And no. so you're just going to have this, like, wild incoherence. Of, <laughs> right. Like, where, yeah, that results in, <laughs> I'm mad at a girl, I'm going to punch a wall, I like yeah. her, boom. Yeah, and, and I mean, if, if you were to... I'm hoping that as a parent, I can, I can address that instead right. of ignoring it and say, Hey, like, it's okay to have these emotions. Yeah. It's okay for you to do this. Maybe punching a wall isn't the best way to deal with it, but maybe it is. And like, I want to allow room for, like, yeah. here's the thing. I'm always yelling at my kid. I'm like, don't, don't climb on the back of the couch, right? Don't climb on the furniture. But every now, but every now and then he goes, why? And I'm like, I don't know. I just was, get off my furniture. I was taught <laughs> that you don't expensive. climb on the furniture. Yeah, because you can break it or you scratch you, it or bump it or, or bump it on something. Hurt yourself. 
But like literally, I see my kid. He doesn't even say this, but I'm saying it in my head. It's like, well, am I not damaging it by just sitting on it? Like you bought this couch to be used. Why can't I use it by standing on the back of it? And I'm like, I don't know why I'm oppressing you with these societal standards of not climbing the couch. And then I'm like, climb on the couch all you want. I don't care. Be a man. I was like, declare yourself, your masculinity. And his mom walks in. She's like, get off the couch. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know who I am. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) It's just terrible. But seriously, like there's these, sometimes these societal or cultural standards that are just stupid that I feel like you got to leave behind to some degree. I've always been... Like, I make the joke, like, you've known this, like, I'm a middle child, and so my parents were always dealing with my older brother and my younger brother, because they're much more problematic than I have ever been. Of course. Because I've just been, like, like a shy, (laughs) quiet kid, and I'm like, I don't know how the hell I ended up, like, on the path I did where I ended up with a bunch of hardcore kids as friends who were just, like completely different than me and and completely different from how I felt. But at the same time, I literally cannot think of a a single time where my parents like had sat me down and were like, you know, past like 10 years old and then like, hey, you know, never had the sex talk, never had like any of that guidance, which is also a problem because Mm, you want to like, everybody wants to blame society. Society's fault. It's just like, there's all these pressures and it's like, well, what about people like me who have had to figure this, all this out on my own? Yeah. You know, and like, I love my parents and I don't think they did a bad job raising me because I think I'm a pretty decent person. Mm -hmm. Um, We like you. So there's that. Yeah, so so there it's impossible <laughs> that I could be a bad person. That's right. You I can all just people that like me. Shut up, stupid people. But yeah, it's know. it's, it's all. <laughs> I think yeah, like, I like Ryan cuz he's Ryan and I am so biased towards my friends. You, you were can, one of the first people to like me. You were you, like you're like everybody was just like that dude's gay and you're like, "Well, I like him." <laughs> He could murder a homeless person. I mean, like, he has reasons. Well, like, I mean, like, guy. what did a homeless guy do? Yeah, how do you know? <laughs> Fake news. How do you know he didn't pull a knife? Yeah, we were there the whole time. Yeah. You didn't see the whole story. I, that doesn't sound like him. That homeless guy was breathing next to Ryan. So. <laughs> I do agree, though. Like, that, uh. I've said this a million times that our parents failed us and our parents' generation failed us. And it's not just like speaking from a millennial mindset or whatever, but there's like a, a fundamental problem that I hope we can fix and stop. Yeah. But at the same, at the same, uh, from the same perspective, um, like these things, it's not like my parents' generation were the first generation to screw up. Right. It's been going on for a long time, but and it's we're not frustrating. Get it right. Yeah, we probably won't get it right. I hope we get it a little I closer. Do. Not right. Sean. I do though. <laughs> but I do think that <laughs> I don't know. It's from crippling emotional scarring. Okay, this is a defense mechanism. We're all <laughs> dealing with our trauma. Yeah, but I I you think pity that me. I think that uh, I think that there's going back to where this started. I think that there's a heck of a lot to say about a parent who can sit down with their kid and tell them how to grieve, how to end a relationship or how to deal with ending a relationship, how to um, be a boy or a girl, you know, all of those things. Like, and that's hard. That's the same as like dealing with grief. You don't want to do it because it's uncomfortable. But as a parent, 
you don't want to do it because it's uncomfortable, but you still have to do it. And like that, I think there's a lot of importance to that, that we kind of just say sorts itself out. And I think that's incorrect. I don't think it sorts itself out. I think that like when you don't teach kids how to, you know, properly engage in like sexual activity, then they can end up being super weird perverts. And super weird perverts. When you don't teach your kids how to deal with uh, emotion, then they can become like school shooters or George Zimmerman's or whatever. And it's like it, there's a lot that can be done before all of this stuff even starts that could that could prevent like a lot absolutely of, a lot of human suffering. You know what I mean? Not that we're going to get it perfect or fix what our parents screwed up, but I still think there's an obligation for us to try. I that's just all can, that's yeah. all that can be asked of us, that's really. It. Yeah, yeah, uh, like an, uh, an an honest effort. Because I mean, that's all that stuff is kind of like a contagion, hmm. and it spreads. Yeah, you know, you like we've all dealt with somebody taking life, yeah. and then yeah. I mean, it's like statistically proved. Like when one person takes their lives, there's an increased chance that someone else is going to. And th the solution isn't to just not talk about it. Yeah. And it sucks. And and you know what? Like none of none of us are sitting around being like, you need to talk about this, and here's how. Because none of us are experts. Yeah. yeah. But I think saying more than Hey, you know what? It's gonna be okay, even though it will be. Yeah, uh, I think that w that will that can and that will go a long way. Totally, I, or even I, just listening. I, yeah, I say take away the stigma of some of you out there. Not all of you, because sometimes it's overdiagnosed. Some you know you, who you are. Yeah, <laughs> dusty white folk. No, um, um, <laughs> some of you need medicine, and that's okay. Not all of you. Some of you need medicine, and that's not to be ashamed of. Some of you are going to go to um, a counselor or a psychiatrist, psychologist, depends. I'd say, you know, see who it is, shop around, and that's okay. And when you remove that stigma. Now, I as a pastor, and I tell people this, I say, when I meet with them, I say, this is soul care, not counseling. Why? I don't want to lie to them and be deceptive that I'm doing some licensing. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a degree. I say, I'm meeting with you. From my perspective, with the teaching I have, and I've done time and time again, when I get to a point where it's above my pay grade, I say, here's someone I can recommend who's licensed, who can prescribe medicine. It might be biological, it might be spiritual. I try to have that open them. Now, some people I can meet with, they say, I'm just having a rough day. Okay, others, it's biological. You don't get rid of it by ignoring it and not talking about it. I think we need to remove the stigma and go, no, we are broken. Ryan, Sean, and I are here. We've dealt with loss. Let it out into the open because that can be dealt with. That's not something to be shameful about. It's not something to feel guilt or fear. And know that if you right now, and we have friends, so uh, each podcast, there's a few hundred now we're having actually more who are listening, you know, doing that and more. And I think we're over 30K. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying there's people listening. If you right now are like, I want to take my life, do not feel any shame from what I'm saying. Talk to one of your friends. Talk to one of your family. Talk to someone who's licensed, not just someone who says they do this. And be okay with maybe you need medicine. And you know what? That doesn't mean you're less. You're not less than me. Good for you. If I know that you live on this earth a little longer and are able to actually cope and deal with and feel joy... I'm proud of you. That's not less. That's not... We're in a very broken world. And people, this is very confusing. We have so much going on. Don't... I think we need to remove the shame from that and be able to say, you know what? I lost someone and I'm broken. It hit me. I feel weak. I feel 
just destroyed. I, I, I want everyone to bring it up, but on the other hand, I don't want anyone to bring it up. I don't even know what to feel. So right now, if you're one of those people, and even me, I'll put myself out there. You know me. I'm on Facebook. I'm the only one besides my wife with the last name Wild shooting on there, Seth. You message me and I will pray for you. I will talk to you. And I even have some people I'd recommend for counseling. Don't, don't ever feel shame about this. You're, you know, you're a human in a rough world. It's a rough experience we live through. I love this life. There's some beautiful things to it, but there's also some things that are heartbreaking. So I don't know. You guys want some last thoughts. I was thinking we could close out. Where are some last thoughts to close out? That on? was really good. I want to add, like you said, there's no shame in having no these shame. thoughts, these feelings, no. or maybe even um, taking medicine or seeing a counselor or therapist. There's absolutely no shame in that. One other thing that uh, <clears throat> that seems to be a common denominator with people I know who've taken their life or are in depression is they hear maybe this podcast or they watch media or they're just around people and they notice they go, everybody eventually depends on their friends. And there's somebody who can legitimately say, I don't have any friends. Yeah. Like, and I, I remember kids, you remember in our elementary school that they legitimately did not have any friends. No connection. And we tried yeah. to be friends with them. And even when we were like, hey, we, we want you to have friends, even though like nobody likes you, we'll be your friend. And they would like lash out at us just because they didn't know what it was like to have there's friends. There's a lot of pain there, yeah. When yeah. there's like nobody to reach out to, I think there's great opportunity in some of the anonymous services. Yes. Some of the anonymous absolutely. hotlines. Suicide hotlines. Suicide hotlines. There's one for trauma. Um, there's one for sexual abuse victims. Yep. Um, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all of those. And you can look them up. And, and even like Seth was saying, message Seth or her message us on Instagram or something like that. In a heartbeat. Like we would be happy to do that. Although I know that sometimes when you've lived your life with no friends, you're, uh, suspicious absolutely. maybe or wary yeah. of that. So I wouldn't expect you to do that. But that's just something that I always have noticed being kind of like this downward spiral where somebody becomes kind of a pariah in elementary school and it just gets worse and worse and worse for them. And they never Doesn't know where improve. to turn for yeah. support because their life and their parents and everything is a mess and they don't have any friends to turn to. So we'd love to be somebody you can turn to. And also those anonymous services I think are great. Uh, any last thoughts, Ryan? And then we'll close it out. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, there are resources available um, if you feel like you don't necessarily want to reach out to your friends mm -hmm. and sometimes yeah. talking to a stranger can be the best thing, that's why we're all here. So you might know one or two of us, but neither, how many do all three of us know? So, yeah, I, I, I am, I, my name is Ryface on Twitter and Instagram. I don't mm -hmm. remember what my Facebook is. I check it every now and then, but yeah. I will be, uh, I'm Ryan Cox from Reno. I am not the one that went to Galena. That is also my same age, which is kind of weird. Cause <laughs> that I had is a, weird. Yeah. I had a class with him at UNR too. Anyway, I don't trust that's a story them. for another time. <laughs> um, yeah. I, this world, our lives are short, they're brutal, and there's no escaping uh, all the pain. And trying to avoid it, like probably all of us have at one point or another, robs you of a lot of life and a yes. lot of things that are worth sticking around for. Amen. And yeah. hey... Uh, and, and my, my core beliefs, uh, 
I, I start and end with I try my best to love, and I don't think there are very, very many people beyond redemption. And if you need to talk, uh, if you need somebody that won't judge you and might not have the perfect thing to say, but has an open ear, I think you got three people right here that have good souls, good hearts, and do their best and give more than they uh, probably should. <laughs> can that Or more than could be reasonably expected. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, this is... Uh, sometimes taking that first step is the hardest. Yeah. Uh, and I, I promise you, you, you won't regret doing that. Absolutely. So, if you've made it this far... And you're hearing these, please, like they are coming from an honest, genuine place. Yes. And uh, if you've <laughs> if you've already turned off, then uh, that's your problem. Yeah, <laughs> and I think honestly, like uh, we've all dealt with severe depression at one yeah. point or another. Yes, um, uh, I can confirm. So that. yeah, from we we can uh, speak from perspective. And one more thing, since you're here, Ryan, uh, a really excellent way to turn around your depression literally is exercise so go do some type of exercise run up a hill go to a gym do it regularly it helps your brain chemicals seriously on a physical level do crossfit on cocaine if you are struggling with addiction uh, come to black iron gym there you go 475 east greg street suite 107 it's right off of Spice Island Drive is actually how you oh, get into. Okay. That's actually how you get into the parking lot. Is actually just right off of Spice Island. Um, come in. There will be somebody at the front. You just say, "I'm interested in reps for recovery," and they will walk you through it. And if that's something that awesome. you are interested in, uh, go ahead and check it out. And I think it's repsforrecovery.com or .org. I'm not sure. I think it's .com. Google them both. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you feel that, if you feel it in your heart to want to donate to that cause, 100% of the proceeds go to, uh, to the addicts and paying for their gym memberships. Um, and we are hoping to expand out of just our gym and out of just the Reno Sparks community. We're hoping to go national and, uh, yeah, let's all deal with this together. You're not in this alone. Absolutely. So, um, once again, Ryan, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, if you find him on Instagram, he makes awesome donuts. That is true. I need to take good nature photography. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's like my two things. I'm not donuts in nature. Uh, no, I have real donuts. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta mix the two. Yeah. I cheat. Do some mixed media. Yeah. Yeah. Like nature. If you find an, uh, an Instagram account with donuts and nature pics, that's probably me. Uh, yeah. I don't really, I'm not that into the fitness world anymore, but I mean, it's my job, but it's not really necessarily my passion, but, Mm. um, or, or my identity. (laughs) So that's good. Yeah. This has uh, been three somber podcasts in a row. (laughs) Yeah. What is, how do we add this? Season two, taking a darker turn. Hold on. Oh, no, no, no. I have some stuff. Okay. So, um, (laughs) I'll just make fun of the Irish. So, Uh. I <laughs> so that I felt inspired by Rachel Hollis, who wrote the book "Girl, Wash Your Face." Oh. Um, oh, yeah. I think there should be. I'm gonna write one called "Boy, Wash Your Butthole." <laughs> it just it's encouraging men 
to wash their buttholes and just put on some deodorant and like lift every now and then or exercise. And that's it. And her book's probably like 20 chapters. I don't know. I didn't read it. Um, but mine is two and one of them's misspelled. Um, I'm trying to find a publisher, but boy, wash your butthole. And it's all about, you know, just if you scrub your butthole in the morning, I think it gives you that boost of self-esteem. True. <laughs> Have, I can't even use I, the Irish spring. You, I, uh, I use Irish spring. Book. It's like, remember your other book? It was called Sean, the loneliest walrus, the loneliest walrus. <laughs> And uh, he's sick That's of the Antarctic, book. so it's called Through Being Cool, and he goes away from the <laughs> Antarctic. Like saves the day. <laughs> but he just uh, – he struggled with diabetes, and then he dies. So <laughs> I had a friend – so I had a friend the other day who told me that I don't understand the definition of irony, which was ironic <laughs> because is. we were at a bus stop. <laughs> we, <laughs> <laughs> Why are we doing this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just trying I just, to turn uh, the frown upside so, down before look, we end it. <laughs> turn that. So if you have any issue with what we said, send to talesfromditch.gmail.com. I we won't can answer ignore it. You. No. Yeah, I ignore it. Sean might respond. Um, shout out to uh, uh, the people who bought us beer and a whiskey, which was super cool. Aye. Uh, Aye. Um, and I'll say this. Look. Boy, um, wash your butthole. If you <laughs> – if you're not daily doing that, I mean, it's just a confidence booster. I'm sorry. What's it, other it, book? It's, it's the very, butthole you show, or what? It's very similar What's to the other book called the butthole you it's give. All, it's like well, the hate you. It's the it's, hate you it's very send. Similar to Dale Carnegie's classic, "How to Win Friends and yeah. Influence People," and it's. <laughs> You accomplish that by washing your butthole. Dude, all right. How to not smell and wash your butthole. Here's the thing I find funny about white women on Instagram. Okay, so either A, here's their low standard, washing your face. Thanks, Rachel. Or here's their second standard. Every Instagram post, them drinking wine and lifting, where I'm like, we well, get wine, it. Drinking wine is a personality yeah, trait. We, we get it. You're all alcoholics and you like CrossFit. But, <laughs> but you look people in the eye yeah. and you'd say, I washed my butthole this morning. Yeah. And they go, sir, I will hire you for this position. Here's my card. I just, you know, it's, I mean, Oh, it's just so, you know so what the good. funny thing is? Do you know how many jobs I've got I wasn't qualified for? But I just got up in the morning, took a shower, and was <laughs> arrogant at the interview. Like, why should you hire me? Why should I take the job? I mean, that's the real. So, Tales from the Ditch. This was Ryan Cox. Um, we love you guys. Uh, Sean, you want to do the closing out thing? Yeah. Seth already said it. Emails at talesfromtheditch mm-hmm. at gmail.com or go subscribe at talesfromtheditch. John Download. MacArthur or Jerry Fowell at uh, liberty.org. Yeah. We are the, <laughs> we're we the winners of the, what, what's our last award? The Jimmy Swagger Ethics Award. Ethics. <laughs> Nice. Ethics and Accountability the, the Award. The Ted Haggard Marriage the, Fidelity Award. The Jerry Falwell Faithful Award. Yes. <laughs> we also won recently um, the Mark Driscoll Gentle Leadership no, Award. The Creflo Dollar Money Accountability. <laughs> I, just, I can't even. Because it's such a lie. It's all a lie. But... Uh, if the you, I scam you trustworthy award. <laughs> yeah. The Tulian and The Vladimir Putin. Yeah. The Vladimir Putin election <laughs> ethics award. Yeah. Oh.
too far. Is it? I always say wrong. Is it? It's F A L well or two L's for fall well? Fall well. Uh, is it one it's L? One L, but you say fall for. Some so reason. it's one L, but he says fall. Yeah, exactly. That's how you know you can't trust it. <laughs> exactly. Some type he of got Eastern mad. Block he got, name. Like uh, you can cut this out, but he got mad the other day. He was basically saying, "All you liberals need to read the Bible and realize that like Jesus didn't interfere with what Caesar was doing, and you need to do the same." Oh my god! It was just like way to like. That's your con- the way to arrive at the exact 180 opposite yeah. of what you need to be. <laughs> I don't respect his facial hair. So hey, buddy, <laughs> fall well. It's more so like fall? fall. More like fall badly. <laughs> so it's fall well. Fall well. All right. So Jerry Falwell, <laughs> and this is Tales from Ditch. Zip it up. Zip it up. <laughs> Bye. I would fight. Him. <laughs>